a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, welcome, Power Partners, to our informational playground. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And we're brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. I am your host and producer, Cynthia Bryan, and I hope to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations around the table and around the office. If you've uh, seen any headlines or anything today, you know that identity theft is on the rise. And this week is Identity Theft Awareness Week. So in our first segment, we will be discussing that and how you can protect yourself. In segment two, we will um, talk about how the Authors Guild has collaborated with 36 other organizations, including some publishers, to conduct the most comprehensive author income study in the United States, and the results may surprise you. You might want to rethink whether you want to write a book or not. And what about retirement? You might only be 25, but if you start thinking now about getting old, it might behoove you because hopefully you will get to that age, and we want to live a long, healthy life, and we want to have enough money to retire with ease. So have you ever thought about where you would want to retire to or live? Do you want to move to another state, age and place, or uh, perhaps a, a different community? All that is coming up on Be The Star You Are. So I hope that you will stay tuned. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. You can visit the website at bethestarur.org. And this is from the funny man, George Burns. You can't help getting older, but you don't have to get old. And that really fits well with what we're going to talk about in uh, segment three as far as aging and retiring. Well, This week is Identity Theft Awareness Week, and sadly, identity theft has become a fact of life in our world today, but you can arm yourself with information to help protect yourself, and you can find out more about identity theft and know how, what you you know, if you are a victim, and then basically how to prevent it from happening to you. If you are wondering what actually is identity theft, it is a crime, and yes, it is a crime, and it can happen when maybe a family member, even a trusted friend, or of course, it could be a complete stranger or a criminal, takes your personal information and uses it without your permission. It usually is for purposes of uh, financial rewards. Now, that stolen information can include data that is just as simple as your name and your address, 
or it can be more sensitive information such as your social security number, your bank numbers, your insurance accounts, your medical information, your passport, phone numbers, all of those things. Now, you might be wondering, how does it really happen? I know that every few months it seems that uh, my bank is changing my credit card. And I'll get a, a call saying, did you authorize this, you know, this charge or whatever it was? And sometimes they don't even ask me if I've authorized a charge. They just send a new credit card. It is a real hassle, especially if you have uh, automatic payments with different people, because you have to go into all the websites or call all the companies and change the cards. But the reason they do this is there's so much fraud and so much identity theft going on. So as frustrating as it is, um, credit card companies and banks and stuff are doing things to try to protect you. The When a physical possession goes missing, let's just say you lose your wallet or your purse, you might notice some charges or something happening right away. Uh, I know several years ago, I had uh, some workers at my house. And when I went to write them a check, one of the guys stole my cell phone out of my car, which I had just gotten out of and I hadn't locked and immediately um, started charging, you know, all these movies and downloading and all of this stuff. Uh, and of course, I when I couldn't find my phone, I realized what had happened. Fortunately, there wasn't an identity theft. And fortunately, um, I didn't end up, I mean, I never got the phone back and it was really frustrating, but this kind of thing can really lead to identity theft. And of course, in that case, I did notice within uh, maybe a half an hour or so, but sometimes people can steal your identity and you don't even know that anything is wrong. And a common way that criminals will steal your identity is through a data breach or they install malware on your computer, or they go to your mailbox or your door and they take your mail, or they can take your credit card information. And of course, there's just a lot of different social engineering that they do. So how do you check for identity theft? Now, all of the experts agree that the most important thing is early detection and reporting. That can be the key to protecting yourself and those of your family, because most victims won't know their identity has been stolen until a long time after it happens, unless you understand the warning signs. So the sooner that you know of the theft and the sooner you report it, the less damage can be done. So here, let me give you a few of the common signs that could alert you to the fact that you might have become a victim. And if you see any of these warning signs, be aware that your personal information may have been compromised. So your bills or your bank statements are not arriving in the mail, even though you had asked for paper statements. You spot an, an unauthorized charge on your credit card, or you see any deductions from your checking account. Now, with these things that I'm just telling you, you can tell that it's really critical that at least once a month and more often if possible, you check 
what is happening on your bank accounts, um, checking accounts, and credit cards. In these days of being able to check things online, it is much easier if you have, you know, like a a, a two-way authentication, which can really prevent um, theft much better. So, you know, that it's not just your email, but it's a phone number or a text number, or maybe it's a code or a key or something. But, you know, if if you really want to be savvy, do it every few days and check what's happening and make sure that there's nothing unusual happening. Now, or if you receive like a debt collection call about charges you've never made, and of course, many of those kind of calls are scam or spam calls anyway, so you should never give any information out over the phone. Uh, Another big way that people steal your identity is through your taxes. The IRS has received a tax return in your name and you did not file it. So very often people are sending in a tax return with, um, you know, uh, uh, social security numbers on it and they want to and they change the address and they want to get your refunds if you are do that. You receive unsolicited text messages from your bank. Or again, um, you're checking your credit reports. And of course, you should always check your credit reports. There are three different credit reporting agencies, and you can get free credit reports through uh, Credit Karma. So I would suggest going to creditkarma.org and signing up, and they will let you know. Um, You can just go there and check what's your credit and see if there's anything happening. Uh, Or you might receive some mysterious medical bills. If you're trying to apply for a job and you get denied, and it might be because somebody else has has applied or somebody has ruined your reputation. And the other thing is if you receive or are denied credit cards or any kind of charge card that you never requested. So those are just a few of the signs um, that can happen. And just don't forget if you know, your insurance card, your health insurance card, also as well as if you are older and you have Medicare or if you have Medicaid and you have those cards, all of those have your information on it and they can be stolen and um, have your identity stolen as well. So how do you report identity theft? If you discover that you are a victim of identity theft, you must report it right away. Now, There are lots of agencies and companies and authorities who need to know what's happened. I always uh, think that the best thing to do is to first start with your uh, local police department. Let them know what has happened because it may be happening in your neighborhood or in your block or in your city. Um, I know that we get where I live, we do get notices from the police department indicating that um, certain crimes are happening in certain areas or things are being taken out of mailboxes. So as soon as you believe your identity has been uh, stolen, you have to address it. And if you've ever lost a credit card or a checkbook or anything, um, you have to assume that theft has happened. And so First of all, besides calling the police department, call your bank 
And you might want to call any other companies where you think the fraud occurred. Um, call the fraud department of these companies from which the thief has made any purchases. And be aware that companies might even suspect that you are the criminal trying to hijack accounts by pretending to be the person who's calling about identity theft. So be willing, uh, if you are making the call, to give your address, date of birth, or maybe the last four digits of your social security or something, whatever it is, to verify your identity. But don't give that information out if somebody calls you. You call the agency. And you want to always request written confirmation that the accounts are closed and that fraudulent transactions were canceled or that they're being investigated. And then you can contact the credit agency to place a fraud alert, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Um, you can have them place a fraud alert on your account and by law, each agency is required to pass the alert to the other two. Although just to be safe, you wanna do it to all of them. And the alert requires businesses to take more stringent steps to verify the identity of anybody who's gonna apply for credit in your name. And that would go be, you know, if you're trying to get a mortgage or a car loan or any of that. There's also a free seven-year alert that comes with two free credit reports and um, that's over this next year. So the credit agencies remove your name from marketing lists for pre-screen credit offers for five years. And that is so helpful. I hate getting those things in the mail. It's awful. You can create a uh, an identity theft affidavit by calling the Federal Trade Commission at 877-438-4338 or you can go to the Federal Trade Commission, which is um, FTC, at identitytheft.gov. And as part of this process, you can create this identity theft affidavit. Uh, you don't have to be a lawyer. Just follow the steps, print the affidavit, and you're done. And then you'll just need it for the next step. Um, and that next step, again, is uh, now you want to file a report with your local police department, you take your identity theft affidavit, affidavit to the local law enforcement agency. If you've already gone there, they'll probably walk you through the steps that I just said. You bring your government-issued photo ID, your proof of address, and that usually, if you bring like a utility bill, a phone bill, uh, insurance bill, anything, or even financial statements, you can uh, prove that you are who you are, and you might want to show some of the um, charges. And then combine your identity theft affidavit with your police report, and that will create an identity theft report. And um, I know there's a lot of stuff that you want to do, but this is going to help if you have any issues, this will show people that you have been a victim of identity theft. Now, how do you protect yourself from identity theft? Once you have taken the steps ab above, you want to practice good online habits. Protect yourself from identity theft. Once you have taken the steps that I already indicated, these are some things that you can do. So organize and store important documents in a safe but uh, easily accessible location. 
Carefully consider who has access to your accounts. You can ask your bank if they have ways that they might be able to give somebody that you really trust maybe limited access to your account that can help you keep an eye out for suspicious activity. You need to understand the risks of granting access, though, to anyone because, you know, there are joint ownerships, sharing login credentials, all of that. So it could make it easier to be victimized. So that's why trust with somebody you give access to is really, really important. And um, you might want to also install some software to prevent identity theft. And always, always, always do your application updates as soon as they're available, as most of them will fix holes in the system that hackers can get through. So whenever your phone or your computer prompts you to update software, make sure you do it. Now, being village, a vigilant, gosh, I'm saying that kind of crazy, you do have to be very, very uh, vigilant about your passwords. You want to create passwords that are challenging to figure out. It's recommended never to use the same password on more than one site. You can consider um, password management software to create and store your passwords. And um, again, you don't want to give power of attorney to anybody you don't trust. You don't want to share your personal information credit cards, expiration dates, bank account, birth, uh, birth date, social security, passport, with any people or companies you don't know. Don't send money to people or companies you don't know. Don't respond to or pay up front for an offer that you don't thoroughly understand. And never sign any blank forms or blank checks. Now, um, something that I came across recently that I just would have to find it here on my computer because I thought it was just fantastic. So it was the time it takes for hackers to crack your password. So if you have eight, uh, just eight characters and they're just numbers or lowercase, it, they can crack it like in one second. If you have just eight characters and upper and lowercase, it takes about two minutes. If you have numbers, upper and lower case, maybe five minutes. And if it has numbers, upper and lower case and symbols, it takes three hours. Now that's with eight characters. So let's go to 13 characters. And this is going to show you the importance of the longer the password and the more complicated, the better. Again, if it's just numbers, they can do it instantly. If it is lowercase only, it might take anywhere from two days to six weeks. But if you have upper and lowercase and 13 characters, it is going to take 995 years. But give it even better, if you put a number and upper lowercase, you have 13 characters, it'll take 10,000 years. And if you have number, upper, lower, and symbols, three million years with 13 characters. Now that is as of now, who knows what's going to happen with when AI and logarithms kick in, maybe they're going to be able to do it. But what this, um, this timetable, you know, about how quickly hackers can crack a password tells you is that you definitely want at least 13 characters and you want upper and lower case, you want numbers, 
and you want some kind of symbol. So really, 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 you know, important. Now, destroy any documents that contain personal information. So that means you need to tear or shred all documents that would include credit card receipts, insurance forms, physician and bank statements, and credit card offers. And in your purse or your wallet, only carry as many credit cards as you need. The fewer that you carry with you, the better. That way, if it's stolen, fewer cards will be compromised and never, ever carry your social security card with you. Um, deposit outgoing mail directly into post office boxes. It doesn't seem to be the most convenient, but it is much safer than if you put it in your own mailbox because thieves easily can access your mailbox, open your personal information, take out your checks, etc. And again, make sure to be reviewing your uh, credit report because that is really, really um, critical. And on your computers, make sure you, that your Wi-Fi network is secure because um, hackers and identity thieves can access your information through your home Wi-Fi network, especially if your router is on its default settings. So always change the default password that your wireless router came with. And those phishing emails, just be careful. I probably get 10 a day, you know, that'll say, oh, here's a DocuSign, um, click here, or I get texts, you know, saying, how are you doing? Or uh, can we have lunch tomorrow? And, you know, who knows who it's from? Don't respond. Uh, and if you ever get any communication that states that you have won money, a prize, or a free gift, especially if you've never entered a raffle or a drawing or anything that says you just pay for processing or shipping and you'll get a free gift. Those are all scams. You know how you get those things in the mail? So in any case, um, this is this is all really important uh, in, you know, information. And again, it is Identity Theft Awareness Week. So I hope that you will be able to manage your digital footprint. Be careful what information you post online because just remember there are weirdos out there. And the very last thing I want to leave you with is if you're getting rid of a phone, a tablet, or a computer, make sure you delete all your information from old technology. Permanently delete your information from your devices before you sell or dispose of them because we just never know where it's going to end up. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be back in a bit and we're going to be talking about author's income. Stay with me. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. 
Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show well, we are back, and my question to you all, have you ever wanted to be an author? Have you thought, I can write a book. I've got a story in me. As a writing coach, I tell people that I believe everybody has a book inside them. And not everybody is a writer. Some people need ghost writers because they either can't put the story together or they don't know how to spell or they don't know how to edit or any of that. But most people do have have a story in them and it would be great to get it down in, in book form, even if it's just for the family. But I think that you're going to find the takeaways that I'm going to give you from the Authors Guild 2023 Author Income Survey very interesting because if you're thinking of becoming an author in order to make money, you might want to think again. I am currently the author of 10 books and was on the New York Times bestselling list for six months. And I really love writing. And I also write for newspapers and, you know, and, and blogs and online and magazines and all of that. But what's so interesting is when my career really veered towards being a, an author, it seemed like the income went down instead of going up. So let me just show tell you what the um, what the Authors Guild and 36 other organizations that collaborated, including Penguin Random House, Hatchet Book Group, Ingham, BNN Press, Pen America, African American Literature Book Club, and many others, uh, conducted the most comprehensive author income study to date in the United States for 2023. And the Authors Guild printed out the results. And to me, they are pretty fascinating. There was a total of 5,699 
published authors who participated. I was one of them. And the survey sample was meticulously divided with representation from both traditionally published and self-published authors, which made it the most representative author income survey that has ever been done. Now, of the participants, 21%, which is more than 1,100 authors, did not identify as white, including 8% identified as black, 4% Hispanic, 2% Asian American and Pacific Islander, 2% Native American. Additionally, 12%, about 700 authors, identified as LGBTQA, and 11%, 626 authors, identified as Americans with disabilities, which is a definition of having an impairment. And 6%, 322 authors, did not identify as either male or female. So by conducting the author income survey, the Authors Guild set out to gather this comprehensive data that really provides invaluable insights into economic realities of becoming an author. So the survey was really a call to action to acknowledge the economic challenges that face authors and to work collectively to protect and sustain the literary voices that shape our world. Overall, the survey reveals several interesting takeaways. The overall author incomes are still so incredibly low. Experienced self-published authors, interestingly, nearly doubled their earnings since 2018 with the help of effective marketing efforts. In fact, I mean, I have been traditionally uh, published and I did one self-published book, which was the business of show business that I did through my Star Style Productions publishing uh, imprint. But interesting, um, when I am coaching potential authors, I encourage them to self-publish because it seems that traditionally published authors these days are making so much less. Now, authors of romance and romantic suspense are still out earning other genres. Graphic novelists, uh, novelists are coming in kind of a close second. But in addition to book sales, author-related activities are what are bringing in the significant portion of those incomes. And the breakdown of the takeaways are as follows. So the medium author income, and this is authors who identify as full-time authors from their books. You won't believe how low it is. Made $10,000 in 2022. Their total median earnings from their book and all author-related income, which would include advances, royalties, fees from licensing, subsidiary rights, um, editing, blogging, teaching, speaking, book coaching, copywriting, and any journalistic in endeavors totaled a maximum of 20000 so when looking at full-time authors whose books are in commercial markets, and so that excludes academic, scholarly, educational books, the medium book, book income was 15,000, and with all their related income was only 25,000. So what it means is that half of all full-time authors continue to earn below minimum wage in most states, 
from all their writing-related work and well below the federal minimum wage of just $7.25 an hour from their books. So it tells us that both authors are earning half of their writing-related income from sources other than their books. And the medium book income for all authors, and that includes those who just write part-time, who completed the survey, and that was 80% of uh, 80% of these people consider themselves professional authors, but only 35% consider themselves full-time. $2,000. $2,000 is what they earned. Uh, so part-time authors, $2,000, and the median total of their related income, again, that's speaking, coaching, writing, blogging, you know, editing, whatever it is that they do was no more than 5,000. So if, but if you were a full-time self-published author, you did so much better than people that were published by the traditional publishing houses, which everybody thinks is the way to go. So if you were a full-time self-published author, the average was 12,800 from books and 15,000 from all writing-related activities. Still really low. I mean, this is still below the poverty level, right? But at least it was more. Now, full-time uh, self-published authors who had been publishing since 2018, they reported higher incomes of about 24,000 compared to $13,700 that they earned in 2018. So they're still below the poverty line, but they're doing a little bit better. Now, the author income by race, that was really startling. Full-time Black authors earned a median of only $2,400 from their books. White authors had a medium of about $10,000, and that disparity is so grim, but not as bad at, uh, when you're looking at full-time authors' total author-related earnings. Black authors earned about 15250 and white authors about 20000 So the disparity wasn't too much there. And again, that includes the speaking, the coaching, you know, the other writing. Now, um, when comparing all full-time and part-time authors combined, so this is comparing everybody, part-time, full-time. The book-related income was $800. <laughs> that is um, not very exciting. So black authors earned $800. White authors earned around $2,000. Again, really horrible for no matter who you are. If you were human and you were an author and you were, you know, a, especially a part-time author, author you really didn't do very well at all. But as far as marketing goes, Kindle Unlimited was particularly effective for self-published authors. Self-published authors actually earned 67% more book income from the platform than traditionally published authors made on book earnings alone. TikTok was particularly effective platform. I've never used it, um, but that's for romance and romantic suspense authors, as well as authors of African-American fiction, poetry, YA fiction, and new adult and erotic fictions. And audiobooks 
are definitely underused by both traditional and self-published authors. 55% of traditionally published, 64% of self-published authors with no books published in audio book form. The the people who made the most money were full-time authors of romance and romantic suspense. They had the highest medium gross income from their books. So if you are thinking of being an author, I guess romance is the way to go because they out-earned mystery, thriller, suspense by more than three times. And they out um, out earned literary fiction authors by a staggering nine times because the medium book income for romance was thirty one thousand seven hundred, and with all their combined income, they actually reached a whopping thirty seven thousand. So as you can see, um, being an author is not the route to being a millionaire. We write because we have something to say. And most authors, even if you're a full-time writer, you might have other gigs. You have side gigs that you do. So again, if just to reiterate, a medium, a full-time author, book income might be average around 10000 for a full year. If you put all your book income, as well as all your other related income, you might even get 20000 So the New York state minimum wage is 27000 and the federal minimum wage is 15000 So we are way below. Stay with me. More to come on Star Style. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Here are the rewards of rewards. One of the most important needs of a human being is to be recognized and appreciated. And in the business world, rewarding excellence reinforces desirable behavior and continued outstanding performance. Monetary bonuses are always great, but other non-monetary rewards are always welcome. Some inexpensive but valuable ways to recognize your employees and staff, including write in personal thank you notes. Send a note to the family of the staff, thanking them for the contribution of their family member. To highlight team achievements, you might consider an achievement board where photos and certificates can be posted for all to see. Publicly recognize the performance of individuals who have proffered compelling projects for the company, or maybe even have a special day of treats for everyone to enjoy in honor of the completion of a job well done. A pat on the back and a sincere thank you go a long way in making an employee feel valued. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. 
A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, this isn't quite a party, but it is uh, important to consider about what you want to do in retirement and where to live. So mostly this segment is for people who are getting older and are thinking about retiring. But I have to say, you know, when you're in your 20s or your early 30s, we don't even think about these things. But but I think it would be a really good idea to do it. So when you decide that you want to retire, now some people, I know people who have retired at 35, who have retired at 40, who have retired at 50, and many of them start second careers or they, you know, enhance their hobbies or they start traveling, but a lot of them relocate. And it's a big question. Where do you want to live in retirement? It's a challenging question and one that is never contemplated fully. So the good news is, is that there are so many options of where you could live in retirement. The downsize is that the array of choices might make you procrastinate and you may not be thinking realistically. So if you want to be prepared for a long, healthy life, and you hope to have one, you might want to start asking yourself a few questions. And, you know, you can update this annually or whenever. So what do you or your family members value most? And what gives your life meaning? I love this question because it's going to help you make decisions about what you want to do in your life besides where you want to live after you retire. Your desires, your wishes, and your needs will lead you because you want to keep some of the elements of your answer to this question in that decision. For example, if you love sailing, but you can't sail anymore, maybe you hurt yourself, um, maybe you don't have the, the money to sail anymore. Can you get to a marina? Can you watch the activities? Can you live near a place where you'll be able to watch sailing? The second thing is, is what are your health needs and what are the health needs of the family that will be living with you? Do you have any progressive issues that you need to prepare for? Maybe you have arthritis or maybe you have a mobility challenge. Uh, maybe you got injured in an accident. So if you have issues with any of those things, we need to think about them. Sometimes people age, sometimes they get some memory issues. 
Now, if you're continuing a healthy lifestyle, you have a great healthy diet, you exercise, you have lots of friends, you're socially engaged, you get plenty of sleep, and you have um, a really positive attitude. I think those are really important. But you may also need to look at the options for what if something happens. Now, also, you can look at your parents. Do your parents live in an environment that they are enjoying, that they love? Were your parents able to age in place? Or were they, did they move to a retirement community? Or did they have to go into some living care facility? Do you think that you might have any kind of health issue that might be hereditary? Are you able to afford and find help when you need it? So you might need to get a consultation with someone who has um, is a care expert for aging, or you know, talk to an attorney or someone who um, specializes in elder care to start thinking about these questions. Now, one of the key things to about where you want to live and what you want to do in your older age is definitely going to depend on your finances. It is a very important question to answer in order to help you decide the type of living arrangement that is going to meet your needs. For example, um, if you want to stay in your apartment, your condo, your townhouse, your home until a certain date or until XYZ happens, let, let's just say that you have decided you're going to stay in the facility where you live now. But if you maybe you have a two story and maybe you can't go upstairs anymore. So that is the X that could change and no, none of us have a crystal ball. So you want to find out how much moving is going to cost you. And of course you would have to, to um, look at what cost of living would be in the future. So you're gonna have to you know, add that into your equation. You also wanna look at assisting living. It's averaging now, if you were to have to move into assisted living in 2024, depending on what state that you live in and what area, it would be anywhere from 6,000 to 10,000 a month without any additional services. Is that something you can afford? If you are going to need help and you need home care, right now that is averaging around $40 an hour. How much care do you think you might need? So this is something that when we're doing a financial plan and a life plan, we need to look at the whole picture because it, you know, here in California, it's a very expensive place as far as um, rent and housing, um, all of that. It's, it's very expensive. So if you're not going to have the money to stay in California, you might want to move to a state that is going to have less taxes or has more affordable housing. But you also wanna make sure that it's going to have good healthcare facilities and socialization um, experiences as well as outdoor activities. 
And you also don't want to move just because of finances, because having your family and friends around you are very important elements of maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Are you looking at what current options are available? There are many communities around the country that have senior housing that provide rental units for those that are over 50 or maybe it's even 55 in some states. And they usually don't offer any support systems except for socialization. But there might be senior communities that have lots of activities, that have security, and that actually can let you purchase them in advance, like a home or a townhouse. And they might have a monthly expense that it's kind of like a homeowner's do that would take care of a lot of the activities that you would indulge in. Now, assisted living communities can accommodate independent seniors, as well as those who might need some level of assistance that would include maybe memory care. And that option can often be good for couples that have different needs, but want to stay close to their partners. So it's you always have to ask questions about the different levels of care. So it's a good idea to tour at least three or four different areas. And even if you plan to stay in your home, because life happens and it's good to have, you know, an exit plan, a plan B, as they say, of ideas of places that you like if for any reason you can't stay in the area that you are currently in or in the home that you're currently in. Uh, there are continuing care retirement communities. They are appealing to healthy seniors that maybe don't have families or who have couples who no longer want to maintain a home and a garden. Uh, you have to pay a large purchase price for your unit, then a monthly fee that covers perhaps meals, cleaning, and all the amenities of a large community. But some of these offer you all levels of care, including skilled nursing and some only to the level of memory care. And then if, you, if you're solo, it might be a good choice if you have the financial means because you secure yourself a place in advance, a place to age with support systems and that can prevent moves in the future. Now, staying in your own home with just some community support systems could be an option when choosing where to live because maybe where you are has a, a local senior center. Maybe there is a village that you can join or organizations that have low membership fees, or you can do volunteer service um, for your socialization. And many have educational opportunities. So perhaps you want to be next to a college campus so you can take courses. There are small residential homes that, uh, that might be a good fit that are for six people. And that's an option for, um, for, uh, for many people. And most individuals have lived in other levels of care before they might go to a small residential home. That might be an option, especially if you're frail, because these residential homes, they are homey and comfortable, um, and, but they might lack some programming and social stimulation. So there's Lots of choices out there. And as you can see, you just need to ask yourself some questions because it, there's a lot that goes into choosing the right environment for each individual. But it's something that 
you need to start thinking about when you're young and keep modifying your choices as you age because the goal is to age, to age with dignity and to age in a lifestyle that you can afford and that you love. So thank you for being with me again this week. I hope that you're always attuned in to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We come to you live on the Voice America Network every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And we're available wherever you listen to your radio shows or podcasts. For more information about Star Style Productions, to purchase any of my books, or to find out what I'm doing or to book me as a speaker or coach, visit CynthiaBryan.com. For more information about how to volunteer with Be The Star You Are charity, just visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. I want you to see beyond your physical being. Know you already are the star you dreamed of becoming. And until next week, when we celebrate once again on the Star Style Playground, Remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Make a difference. Dream big. Read a book. And join me next week. Have a great week. And if you're in California experiencing these atmospheric rivers, Stay, stay safe, stay dry, and maybe you need to sandbag. Thanks again. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.